one to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which God Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For, as I've often told you before and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. This is the word of the Lord. Help me out with the phrase. It's ultimately not what you know, but... It's true, though, actually. And that's what Paul is saying here, actually, in this verse, verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. It's not about what you know. It's who you know. And, and Paul says, I want to know Christ for this reason. He says, Jesus is the most amazing, incredible, wonderful, brilliant, excellent, staggering, breathtaking, awesome, sensational, marvelous, Outstanding, supreme, incomparable, all-surpassing, deep breath. <gasps> he said that in verse 8. He, he speaks about um, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. He says, no one can compare or compete to knowing Jesus Christ. And, and in many ways, um, the passage before speaks about why he says that. And he says it because he finds in Christ a righteousness not of his own but given by God. And I explained that last week, that idea of a school report. So that on the cross, Jesus takes my report like a school report, but this is a report of all my life, what I do, what I think, my motives, everything. And he takes that report and he suffers the consequences of my report. But in exchange, he gives me his report. Now, I don't know about you. Do you want to trust your report or Christ's report? Christ's report. And he gives me that. Do I deserve it? No. Can I earn that? No. Do I merit it? No. It's grace. It's grace. He gives me that. That's what it means to receive God's righteousness, his report. 
So that when the Father looks at me, he looks at you, he sees Jesus. Now, I had my eyes tested this week. And there's just a a slight deterioration in, in one eye because I'm getting older. But still, I managed to kind of read the letters. That was quite good. But actually, God, the Father's eyesight, he looks through the lens of Jesus when he sees me. Isn't that amazing? I was in a group this week, and we had a person in this group um, who had spent many decades going to church. And when we looked at this, she said, my word, this is really important, isn't it? I said, it is. And of course, those who've done the Discipleship Explore, there's that great phrase. You see, religion is all about do. I have to do something to justify myself before God. But the Christian faith doesn't say that. It says not do, but it's done. And there's all the difference in the world. It's not doing things. It's realizing that Christ has done something. He took my report and suffered the consequences of that. And in return, he gives me his report. Which is why Paul says that actually, then knowing this Jesus Christ, that this is what God in Christ has done for me, has done for you, then, then, then that is worth more than anything and everything. And we looked last week, what does that mean? And, and realizing that actually he wants to bring change as a result. Well, he speaks in verse 10, I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, which means the very power which God raised Jesus from the dead is the power which God comes and brings into the life of a believer. This is the power of God breaking in from the outside. This power changes us as he works in us. Wow. Knowing Christ, the power of his resurrection. Uh, In chapter 2, verse 13, he explains this more. It is God who works in you. Who is it who works in you? It is God. God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. He works in us to will. In other words, he changes us from the inside out so that my very desires and my longings and my wants and my will changes so that I start to want the things which Christ wants. But there's also an outside change to act, to will and to act. That will change my actions. The power of his resurrection. Two, willingness to suffer for him. This is not general suffering. This is specific for Christ and his cause. This is the result of a faithful witness in a fallen world. And we've already seen that in Philippians, Paul says believing on him and suffering for him are the two sides of the one coin. He says in chapter 1, verse 29, it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him but to suffer for him. Granted, it's a gift. Now, we said this last week, we get very excited sometimes about gifts, and the gift of faith is a a marvelous thing indeed. But he says, it's been granted, gifted to you, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Hmm. Hmm, I'm not too sure. Do you want that gift? Hmm. And yet, the New Testament, Jesus says that these things go together. And then finally, becoming like him in his death. He says, I voluntarily surrender and lay down my own wants and desires and preferences, my sins, my habits, my agendas, as if I put them to death. Like Jesus, 
he's given the example of Jesus in Philippians 2. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And to, to, to modern ears, this is quite strange. Because people, I hear people, I want to be happy. I want to be happy. And Jesus says, if you want to find your life, if you want to find true happiness, then you need to lose it for my sake. And it is this which brings about the greatest life the most amazing joy, the deepest peace, and the most radical change as we become like him. But he, he goes on um, in this little passage, and he speaks about a few more things which, which pr- provide the, the kind of the, the ground through which God will change us. You see, the Holy Spirit works within us a deep desire to grow to know Christ more. That's a Holy Spirit thing. And so the Holy Spirit so implants within me a, a, a deep longing to be mature. Uh, there was a lovely quote from Mother Teresa. And she said, the older I get and the more I grow close to Christ, the more I see my need of him. So the more I grow, the more I mature, the more I see my deepest need for him. She also said, actually, the more I get to know Christ, the more I see my sinfulness. And so Paul is saying, actually, this, we need to long for this maturity. And, and part of the thing is humbly realize that I need this. Have a look at verse 12 um, in the passage. Um, Not that I have already obtained this or have already been made perfect. So he says, look, I'm not there yet. This maturity in Christ, I'm not there yet fully. I'm a work in progress. That's a good badge, isn't it? I'm a work in progress. We're all works in progress. And the, and the amazing thing is the, the closer we get to Christ, the more we actually see how much work there is to do. You know, sometimes, you know, when, when people learn things, they kind of think, phew, I've learned that, I can put my feet up. But actually, knowing Christ, as we deepen that knowledge, it actually leads us to to realize the great gulf there is, how much I need to grow, how much I need to change. So he says, "I, I I haven't got there yet, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers, Verse 13, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, so I'm not there yet. Verse 15, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. In other words, maturity leads us to realize, actually, we're not that mature. (laughs) That's strange, isn't it? Maturity is realizing, I'm just not there yet. And Jesus said, Matthew 5, Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who realize their spiritual poverty. And so he says, this, this sense of change, of knowing Christ, actually the Holy Spirit w- will give us that, that real sense of humility as, as we see how far we have to go. And, and if we don't have that, then I would encourage you, pray. If you pray, Lord, give me, give me this real humility, this, this realization of a deep longing and need for you. He will answer that prayer. Here's another one. This process is active, not passive. It's active, not passive. Because I I suppose the danger is we see it's God's work, 
And therefore, what we can do then is put our feet up and relax. I don't think I, I said this at the other service. So when I was a teenager, revising for exams, I thought, I wonder, can you remember the old days of cassette tapes? Yeah. Olden days. And so if I somehow recorded all of the things I wanted to learn on cassette tape, and then at night, I would put that by my bedside, I would go to sleep and play it, and somehow, somehow, I would just take in all of that. In Did anyone else have those sorts of... No, that's really... You get the idea, don't you? Is there an... But this is, this is active, though. It's not passive. Just have a look at the words he uses, verse 12. Um, he speaks about pressing on, pressing on. That's quite active, isn't it? So I want to know, I'm going to press on towards this. Verse 13, um, one thing I do. Ah, so it's not, not passive, it's active. I, I am doing something here. And then he speaks about straining towards what is ahead, straining. You, you get that, that sense of, of someone, um, you know, at the back of a crowd trying to see what's ahead, and you're straining. This is what he's saying, straining. Verse 15, um, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Sorry, verse 14, I press on, again, towards the goal. Uh, and that a word in the Greek there could either be a finishing tape or it could be an archery target. We know Paul used a lot of sporting analogies. In other words, Paul sees that this is God's work, but the most incredible thing of knowing Christ is that he wants this. And it's both God's sovereignty and human responsibility. And these things go together. God's sovereignty, it's his work, but I still have a responsibility. And so, in, in some ways, this is a, also a work of the Holy Spirit within us. It gives us this, this, this desire. How can I know him more? How can I know him more? And, and, and there are so many ways we can grow to know him more as we open our lives up to experience this work of God. We're involved with this. We don't just put our feet up. It doesn't happen naturally. We get involved, that we seek him more. We, we, we look to discover him in his word, the scriptures. We seek him in prayer, in worship, and we read. We, wow, we want this. And then finally, focusing on the future. Um, Brothers, verse 13, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. It's interesting, forgetting what is behind. So often um, I find people who are shaped by the past. And, and Paul says, I, in the end, I need to forget what's gone on in the past. Rather, I want to look ahead to what Christ wants to do now. Not be rooted in the past, but what does he want to do? So he says, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pressing on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And 
he says, I want to focus on the future because actually the, the future holds out the goal of where I'm going, that God calls people ultimately to be with him face to face. And at the end, he speaks about this ultimate transformation. Our citizenship is in heaven, verse 20. We eagerly await a savior from there. Verse 21, who by that power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. That's what's going to happen beyond death. And that's why he says beforehand, I, I don't know whether I'm going to live or die. Death is better by far. This is the reason. And I, I've said this many times before. The older we get, the better news this is. As our bodies tend to wear out and bits drop off. But this is the, the glorious goal of knowing Christ face to face, receiving new bodies, resurrection bodies. And so he's going to focus on the future because, and this is the point, that, that actually we can start to experience aspects of that future now by his Spirit. So I'm going to keep that in mind rather than just looking in the past. And actually he gives an example of people, a negative example, um, who are not like this. They're called enemies of the cross. And the problem with these people is they're focused on their own wants and desires, verse 19. Their God is their stomach. In other words, they focus on what they want. And we live in a world where we're almost told, actually, um, what you want is, is your truth. Go and get it. Follow your, follow your heart. He says, not a good, good way. And then he says they're focused on the here and now. Their mind is on earthly things. But we live, he says, anticipating a new future. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we start to live in the promise of that now. We anticipate that final future blessing beyond death now. So that's why he says, I want to know Christ. The power of his resurrection, sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. This is what it means to live now knowing him. Looking to him in humility, realizing our need, actively seeking him, focusing on that future, the, the finishing line, the finishing tape. Wow, this is, this is quite a change, isn't it? This is not just kind of adding things to our lives. This is a complete change within us from the inside out, and a new set of values, a new orientation. And yet, by the grace of God, that's the work he wants to do. Going right back to the beginning he who began a good work and you will carry it on to completion. That's good, isn't it? So we pray, Holy Spirit, we ask that you may apply this, give us this hunger, this desire, that we may in deeper ways get to know Christ more, which is his gift. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you. We praise you. We worship you. That, that, that knowing you surpasses all things. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you may apply these truths to our hearts and that we, your people, may know what it is to know you more in deeper ways and be changed by you. For this we ask in Christ's name.